always a problem starts with an anecdote and a small story. And a small story can make a big story. Um, and if I, I can tell you the story of Cyril and Sebastian who built at the really early beginning Padzi, and back in 2013, it was one for all the reasons. They were still at school, you know, in their engineering school. And when they were finishing, you know, their, their class around 3 p.m., not everything was closed. They wanted to grab some food, but at 3 p.m. around Paris, Paris now it's okay, but when you are just in the suburb of Paris, all the restaurants are closed. If you want to have, maybe just have a few fast food which are open, but the, honestly, the food was not good. And um, so they say, okay, and they are engineers, they are inventors, you know, and they just say, okay, let's do something about it, you know. Why we should not have a robot who could do the cook? Really, uh, by providing quality of food anytime during the day. And like that, you don't get any problem of availability. So it started like that. And when I, I met them, they told me, Philip, help us to build a pizza business which offer, thanks to robot, good food any time of the day. First, I am a French entrepreneur, uh, born in Paris, uh, three kids, and uh, I always uh, like complex challenge all my life. I had, you know, three steps in my life. Uh, I was in the B2C business, very far away from automation, and we discuss about it probably in, the, uh, in a couple of minutes, but I started my business career as an entrepreneur, then moved to multinational. And then came back to um, uh, to entrepreneur life uh, through robotics, and uh, all there is probably a red link onto that, which is the the fascination for complex uh, complexity, difficult challenges. And uh, I don't know always my kids tell me why you do go still on difficult tasks. I, I like difficult things, so <laughs> it's what should define me. So I'm, actually, I want to go for them. How it all started? You said that 20 years ago, starting your own business at Entrepreneur, and then you yep. wanted to L'Oreal. I think I don't know how many years you worked there. Um, but oh, I, 10 years. Yes, I'm curious about the the starting point and then going to multinational company and then going again to yeah to robotics here. But can you tell me about this transition? Was it easy or was it intentional or? What did you learn or give you give you something insights from yeah being entrepreneur and working for multinational? I'm curious about the whole experience in, in all these years. Yeah. So um, entrepreneur is, has always been the thing I wanted to do uh, since I was a teenager. Just, my fascination was for people who could change things in the, our societies through the, the power of economy and the power of uh, what we call business, the, which is the link between people making things with organization and people. So that was always fascinated me that. Um, I, 
So it was very uh, clear for myself that I had to be an entrepreneur. Then my first experience was in the B2C. I built a company. Then I, I closed the company. All of a sudden, there was a proposition from L'Oréal. And I told myself it could be an opportunity also to, to move in a giant organization, leading one, super powerful, uh, and having the experience of an international job right away. So it's what I did. And I did it quite well for 11 years. But um, at the last job, I was based in Hong Kong. And I told myself, um, I always told myself, you need to quit a job when everything is fine. <laughs> so everything in my career was doing very well. And I told myself, okay, that's not the time to, to take a new risk. And I was 45 years old and I said, let's, let's do something else. And um, at that time, I was approached by uh, a VC, family office and VC, who wanted to invest in, um, in the field. And they wanted to me back to France in order to help them in terms um, of making investments in the cosmetic industry because I was very good in the cosmetic industry. And um, it's what I did for one year. So I, I left uh, Hong Kong. I dismissed uh, from L'Oréal. And uh, for one year, I investigate with the investing uh, team to, uh, to invest in startups, the new ecosystem of startups. So that was a very interesting challenge. And all of a sudden, uh, two guys came. Uh, it was uh, after six months in the job. And they, uh, they said they created the first uh, restaurant with robots cooking pizza. And I say, oh, well, what is it? And um, I really fall in love with the project. Uh, it's something, you know, which only happens once or twice in your life where some things call you and tell you, you have to do it. I didn't know nothing about food, nothing about automation. I don't have any background of engineer. It's important to know. I'm very business guy, very business oriented, but I don't have any background. So uh, it's, uh, for the people who listen, you can still work on robotics, even if you don't, I'm not an engineer. <laughs> There's some possibility to do it. <clears throat> and um, and so uh, I, I, I left uh, the VC after six months, after one year to, to, uh, to join this uh, startup. And to all of a sudden change my totally my career into a new field, and uh, and then we'll come back to that experience. But and and after seven years of this wonderful experience, I again um, finished and did last year's to do a new experience, which was not a startup experience, to come back to entrepreneur life into what I call a normal company. I don't know how to quote them, you know, because today everybody's talking about startup and startups. But there is also a possibility of creating value and creating company which are not startups. It's what I did uh, since January and really investigating in the field of uh, pure robotics and automation and vision. And what do you, what's the difference between not company and startup? Because it's not clear now. What do you mean normal company and startup? Is it a difference? Like some differences? Yeah, it's a big difference. Yes, a, a, a startup is a company who is presenting a project to VC. So the, the resource, the first resource of finance is um, is equity from you know investment companies, not banks, and not the the business that you generate. It's very important. So most of, very often, you in order to grow, you need to get money from uh, venture capitalist companies. Um, the model is very often on something which is innovating, which, okay. And uh, with the promise of getting very high incomes in a period of five to 10 years, very high incomes. So that's the pure model of startups. When you are creating a company, uh, 
normally you're supposed not to, and my, my challenge was to survive day one by not getting any money from the outside and generating money from the work I was doing day one. So uh, this is a big difference, you know, and uh, otherwise people are the same. Uh, the, the amount of risk is different, uh, you know, because you are betting on the startup on the, something which is uh, probably have a higher level of risk. Keep in mind that probably 80 to 90% of startups fail after, you know, or in the first years, which is not supposed to be, uh, what I don't know how to call them, normal company. That's not the good name. <laughs> SMB, yes, SMB, we call small and, and smaller business than size company. Small and medium size. Before delving again in the in your journey in the entrepreneurship here, I, I want to ask you maybe um, in retrospect when you look to being working for multinational company for ten years, do you sometimes regretted that why didn't do that earlier? Like, I'm just curious. Do you have this kind of thought why or this was something maybe gives you more insight about the market? Because I'm curious about the markets here, the robotics market. Maybe that's a discussion we'll handle, but. Do you sometimes regret that you didn't start this earlier? Like you didn't spend 10 years or? No, no, no. Because, uh, you know, uh, as I told you, I, when I left L'Oreal, I, I was very good. You know, uh, my, my, my career was doing very well. I, uh, I was uh, uh, I, in traveling a lot, uh, doing a lot of things, very exciting. The mobility was very high at uh, this company. The quality of talents was amazing. I, I was meeting people who are very talented people around the world and for any nationality, very open. So that was an amazing um, adventure. And so no regrets, I think. And that's why I, I left when it was, I had, could have regrets if I left it when it was bad, but I left it when it was a very good time for me. I could have uh, stay more. Uh, but just when some, something calls you, you know, something appeals that you want to do it, you have to do it. And because um, that's what, what I did. Uh, so no, 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 no regret that I had a very good learning, you know, working in a multinational uh, allow you also to have the capacity of working in complex organization, a startup or a small company is not a complex organization. It's, a, it's an organization of five, 10, uh, with Paddy, we were 30 people. That's it, you know? So it's not a lot. When you work in a multinational work with the complexity of countries, the complexity of vertical, horizontal organization. You, it's a, um, I had also the ability to uh, to have a very international job to understand how you, you work with people with different nationality, different backgrounds, and uh, and this it's a huge asset. And when I, now I need to discuss with a large company for my company when we build you know we design robotic solution, we have our first clients are huge company. I have I have a good capacity to talk to them because I know I've been there. I know how, how it is. So I want to go for the most important part here about the robotics market, especially based in, in Paris here. And you told me that when when you have the experience to, that's the first experience you had about the idea and then you started, this is what I have to do as a CEO for the first company. Can you tell me how you think about the good ideas? Like, because some people say, oh, it's interesting the robot serving me, like for going to your new company now. But I'm just taking an example here about the idea itself. How you make sure this is really worth the investment or not. Because some ideas, just as I said, it doesn't survive. And can you tell me about what the criteria you balance your mind? Oh, I have to do that because X, Y, Z. Or it's not always like clear to you. 
there's no clear indication. Yes. I mean, you have two ways of conducting a business. Whether you do a full analysis which takes months and months and months in order to be sure that what you do will be possible. And then once you get all the green light, you move on. Whether you do that and you just reach 50% of the green light, 60% of green light, and then you move on. And I am more on the second uh, position. I tell you why. Because when you start to create something which is unique and totally unknown, when we started the, you know, the, when I joined up the project of Padzi, it was as a, first as an investor in 2016. The, uh, the company was already had a three years of existence. Uh, they were building something which has no past. Uh, there was no at all any comparison on the market. There was no business model associated. There was no technology uh, that was as I ever been able to do what they were doing. So you could do all the study you wanted. I mean, it was super impossible to say that it's going to work. You never know. Uh, the only things that really is a difficulty, but is probably the most important thing in uh, in a business adventure, is with who you are working with. I always take this example of this famous, you know, uh, management uh, teacher uh, called, uh, I think I remember, Jim Collins, who was saying in uh, a good business, it is, uh, it's like a bus. Make people get into your bus, select well the people to get into your bus, and then drive your bus because the road is going to change. And effectively, what you think you do on a certain year will, fall, will change in three years' time or five years' time. What you need to have is the right people with you in order to be have the capacity of changing first and have the capacity of saying, okay, we are not going to the right direction, let's move in another direction. And that's the most important. So the, the best asset is not the technology, it's not the business, it's the people you are working with. And uh, it's a long process because it's difficult to recruit the, the good people, it's difficult sometimes to dismiss and to quit to, to avoid certain people that and it's a, it's a long journey, but probably the best advice would, would be that. Be careful with who you work and try to find the best people. Best people are not necessarily experts because an expert is going to do what he has to do. And, um, and a certain level of your company, you will have to change. And sometimes people don't like to change. So having, you know, uh, uh, qualitative people are capable of agility and uh, being open-minded, not only to what their task is, their mission, but to the global mission of the company is something difficult to find. So, uh, and because when we started the Padzi business, I was not sure. I was just, I had a huge feeling. Um, there was, all, of course, some fundamentals, which were very, at that time, very important, like uh, the difficulty to recruit people in the restaurant industry, the difficulty to, but uh, to get, uh, you know, um, uh, a stable uh, employee, the cost of labor was very high. The fast food industry was not serving good meals, was very like uh, junk food. So this was very correct. But the way we process could have been different, you know, and why you choose the, to do as Paddy we did it, which was an entertaining robot and not a back office robot, was just because we felt it was the right thing to do. There was no study. You cannot afford when you're a startup to do a study. And even if the study is right, 
you know, I've seen so many study uh, wrong. <laughs> That's interesting. I can't give with those words. But when you start now that new company, I, I'm curious about the name because the name is quite interesting. Singana. Can you tell me what does this mean, that, the name? Uh, Sananga. What? Yeah. Sananga. Yes, it's an interesting story. Sananga is a, it's a medicine plant coming from Amazonia. Amazonian forest, you know, in the in the South America, um, which helps the tribes when they hunt in the dark to see better. So it's little drops that you put on your eyes that helps mm -hmm. you to have a better vi uh, night vision uh, okay. for hunters. And Interesting. at the same time, it gives you a better um, abstract vision. You know, it, it's, it's clear your mind in order to see better what are the possibilities so i told myself if you want to design automation robots for the cities and industry of tomorrow getting the right vision is good <laughs> so <laughs> sanga is all about vision <laughs> something new to learn okay okay yes okay so um maybe before going more about the, the here the company but can you tell me about the the, the market because I, that's what i perceive but i'm curious from your long experience, it seems the market's a little bit of a challenge. I don't know, the robotics market is not exist. I don't know how this situation for you, especially in Paris, yeah, there are companies, but can you tell me about the, how the culture, how people are accepting the, the like robots in their daily life? Do, do you see there's a gap or you, you don't feel that since you're working with different, I, I think in multinational company, you have experienced different things, but the startup, yes. Or the company you're based in a certain location and you have to deal with people and how they're accepting for technology can you tell about the challenges and how it's so accepting now to robotics so um for the moment funnily enough in france in france we have a culture of very contra of contradiction so in a certain level we, we have probably one of the great engineers people who really have capacity of engineering some things, designing, you know, even, you know, if you look to artificial intelligence, most of the U.S. companies try to work with some French people for making the new uh, generative AI and all this complexity, ChatGPT and so on. So a lot of the good engineers are coming from France. At the same time, if you talk to population, they're going to fear uh, robots. Robots are associated to... Uh, uh, turnover, they are associated to loss of jobs, and so on. And even so, you give them some data, as you know, it's funny uh, that the country who has the most intense level of robots are the ones who have the lowest unemployment rate. Uh, it's funny, you know, it's, it's like a contradiction, you know, more you have robots, less unemployment you have. So, uh, but even so, people are, have difficulty to, to, to think about it. So, in a way, French people like robots when they are in the industry. When they don't see them, they know they are, they are buying goods. They know they are get by robots. But at the same time, they want to hear about it, you know. And I, I give you a funny story uh, back 20 years ago, when, uh, which is give you the, the idea of the problem we we have not probably in France, but you may have that in Belgium as well. When in 20 years ago in the mass, in supermarket, in hypermarket, they started to have, you know, the automatic cashier. Uh, 
cash machine, you know, where you could put your 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 goods and pay automatically. Uh, so 25 years ago, we were seeing that the woman and the man who was working as a cashier in the supermarket was a very bad job, very annoying job, very, you know, non-value at the job because people were just doing that and that, this movement all day long, it was super bad and it was not a good job. All of a sudden, 20 years ago, we put automatic cash machine and all of a sudden they say, oh, that's the most marvelous job <laughs> because people were feared they were losing their job. So there is always a contradiction between when something happens and especially when you see it. And I think people like robots when they are in, in the factory, they can't see it because like that, they don't have to, to think about that. Then there is another topic about robots, which is more an anthropological topic, which is uh, robots are good when they look machines and they don't look like humans, like humanoid. And I think in Western uh, countries, it's not the case of North Asia, are not ready to get Renault, uh, a robot who looks like human, like a humanoid, and uh, which I think is... Uh, I don't think it's the appropriate choice first. I don't think why robots should look like men or women. That's, I don't see any interest in that. But that's another field of people. So let me ask you about the risk company. What kind of use cases that you did or like solution or forgetting me about yes, yes. things? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very linked to the experience we had with Padzi. What happened with Padzi is two things. Three things, in fact. Once we started to develop robots I call it robots for the cities, which means that robots that have an application inside your city, not in industry, that could serve, uh, that could be in location where you will have a lack of, of, of labor because people were leaving the restaurant industry because of the job were very uh, tiring, uh, very difficult, uh, difficult hours, difficult tasks, especially in the fast food industry where you repeat your gesture every day the same. So I think uh, there was an emergence, with especially that was pushed by the COVID, of people leaving the service industry away and the necessity of finding a solution to replace the people who were leaving from that job. So that was the first point. The second point, with the COVID, especially every country, start, every country mostly started to have the necessity to have an industry back more local uh, so industry in a lot of area textile many other area uh, were far away from the center of where people were using the goods or uh, buying the goods and you had long supply chain especially the products were built in countries but you know the countries like India China where the carbon index is very high so generating a lot of um, uh, energy uh, cost and with low supply chain and with a lack of independent uh, uh, economic independence. We find out with uh, the COVID that you, if you depend for your production of masks or your production of any products of other countries, you're getting weaker. So that was another sign for me to say, okay, there will be a trend in the years to come to have back the industry in each country. Uh, so that was, and, and we saw a lot of program 
in France, in other countries, of reindustrialization. The problem of reindustrialization is not only a question of money. It's not just buy robots, put the robot in a factory, and it will work. You need, if industry went far away from the Western countries, it means that they were doing things that uh, robots were not capable to do. Like if you look to the textile industry, while textile industry is in Tunisia, in Turkey, or Far East, it's because labor cost is very low and because we cannot automate this task with robots. So I say, okay, this is another sign. Let's do something about that. And the third thing, I found out that very often there is a, a need of innovating in the robotic field in the industry. And if we could offer a service to the industry factories in order to push them to more innovation, we could find a way. So three, these three elements were very strong for me, and uh, that's how we positioned Sananga in order really to design robotic solution, not for big factories, robotic solution for sectors where very depending on labor and where the, you have difficulty to automate because the core of the business of Padzi and Sananga is really to be inventors of solution and not to apply so existing solution. They are much better company than what we do if you have to existing solution and to apply. We need to invent the way how to automate textile. We need to find a way how to automate food processing, a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of things. So that's so the, exactly the positioning of, of the company. So when you talk to um, like client, for example, here, how you convince them? Because sometimes I'm not sure how they're accepting about the, to automate the process, for example. There is certain criteria to ensure that the whole process will be automated. If there is something very crucial to deliver the story and just to convince it, that should be automated. Yeah, so first we address our, we address our offer to clients who have really the will to make industry back in their country. So they want to do it. You know, it's a corporate, at a cor top corporate level, there is, they tell them to, they tell to the operation, Let's rebuild factories in France or Belgium, whatever. And then the question is how you do it. So then where we come. So first we come to address people who already have a need. Secondly, uh, we have the past of Padzi, which has been probably very awarded as a company, very noticed as our capacity to do things which are super difficult. In few words, Padzi, we put automation in a few meters square. Um, probably 250 sensors. We put industry 4.0 in a restaurant, very small. We put automation in minus 20 degrees. We put automation in plus 400 degrees. So we did so much in automation related to very difficult tasks that the, the awareness is quite good when we talk to people. You know, it's like, you know, it's like your CV. My resume is, oh, example, okay, let's talk about it. And then usually what we do is uh, we do a little study to start to show them that we can crack the technological problem. When the take turn technological problem is cracked, is solved, then we start the long study of building the solution, the prototype, and so on. So we just prove that we can be able to have this capacity. So that's why when we recruit people, we need to recruit people who are very, not only great engineers, but people who have the Open, super open mindset, being capable to invent new solutions. 
Uh, but the whole story with Padziv, you know, it's a story, it's more a story of inventors than a story of engineers. You greatly, I yes. mean, the solution based on locally in, in France or also internationally? So we are, we propose a solution in France, but of course, once the product, the first products by the end of the year will be uh, out, you know, from, and we can propose them to new clients. We can be based in all Europe. And what we are doing now as well, we want to establish in uh, uh, a subsidiary in the company. So it should be done by the end of Q3 in uh, the UAE, uh, where this, we think there is a high demand. The same, same issue as in, we find in France, country who have really the, the, the vision to build uh, robotics in their home country and not outside of that country. So what we are interested in is really to investigate countries who have this vision. So that's why we're opening a subsidiary over there. Okay, great. I like when you stress about the innovation part, not only engineering. I think that's so clear and busy and, and, and what you do now also. Um, but I guess about the idea as well as be catchy and interesting, like having the robot and the interacting with public and still there's safe limit. That's what's clear. I think that was a part of innovation, but there's part of criticism, like why do you do something like that? I'm just telling you there's part that's Thank really you. interesting. And I think it's also, I, I think it's uh, when, when you're being new, I think, and different, I think that's a great level of attention, which is needed. I I, I, I believe in that. So, but there's partly why you do that, like the humanoid robot thing. Why we need a humanoid robot? You see this kind of counter uh, argument or criticism. Why you do what you do? I yeah, it's catchy. It's interesting that why? Why? So when, when we did, uh, you're talking especially about the Patsy project. Yeah, and oh yes, and also because you know, we're dealing, I think maybe, I don't know what other use cases could be pop up in the, now, I, I know it's maybe you can share with the details, but in general also, yeah. Yes. Um, first, we, we try to solve a problem, you know, and uh, there is no solution without a big problem. And um, to be honest, when uh, always a problem starts with an anecdote, and a small story, and a small story can make a big story. Um, and if I, I can tell you the story of Cyril and Sebastian who built at the really early beginning Padzi, and back in 2013, it was one for all the reason. They were still at school, you know, in their engineering school, and when they were finishing, you know, their, their class around 3 p.m., not everything was closed. They wanted to grab some food, but at 3 p.m. in Around Paris, in Paris now it's okay, but when you are just in the suburb of Paris, all the restaurants are closed. If you want to have, maybe just have a few fast food which are open, but the, honestly, the food was not good. And um, so they say, okay, and they are engineers, they are inventors, you know, and they just say, okay, let's do something about it, you know. Why we should not have a robot who could do the cook? Really, uh, by providing quality of food anytime during the day. And like that, you don't get any problem of availability. So it started like that. And when I, I met them, they told me, Philip, help us to build a pizza business, which offer, thanks to robot, good food any time of the day. That was the first pitch. It's a simple story. How it's a simple story became a big story. It's with the pandemic. With the pandemic, we had the world not only France had so much problem to recruit people, you know, 
uh, employees in restaurant were living. You know, we were talking about 200, 300 thousand people leaving the restaurant industry in France in one year. It's massive. 1.5 million in the US. Then you had the restaurant industry, which was struggling because at the same time, people wanted to go to the restaurant. So the need of having a restaurant experience is still here, but there was no employee to fulfill the need. Then you say, okay, my small story, which is a simple story of, I want to do good pizza with robots. I'm going to transform it in a big story of, my solution is going to solve the problem of the fast food industry. And again, that's why, when, you know, when you ask me the question of, do you do a study? You can do all the study, but, you know, if you want to feel your own internal deep conviction, it's always start with a, a personal story. It's always personal. And, um, and when I joined them, I, you know, I was working, I did, as I told you, work for 11 years in Montreal. In Montreal, every year they were innovating, 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 innovating. But, you know, disrupting an industry is totally different from innovating. And when I had, I told myself, okay, these two guys, they want me to, to join them in their pizza business. Okay, let's do it. You know, how often you can be part of a story that is going to change probably an industry. You know, it's a new trend. I wanted to do it. I wanted to be part of it. It's fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating. I like when you say innovation because... Yes. <laughs> The innovation and disruption and using the disruption part because of absolutely something out of the yeah i i mean out of the box. It's, yeah and and not traditional it's just not orthodox ideas i think yes having a role you to know, make it uh, easier how i can define in a, yes i could define innovation in other words and um, you said when i say innovation it's what i call the the problem of the better sameness if the better sameness is you do better, but exactly the something which is already existing. You just do it better, you know? You just improve it, you know, from a car who can, you know, just improving the, the machine or what. This is not what I call, you know, disruption of innovation. Disruption is not innovation. It's not something just better. It's just something totally new. And, 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 and when you can be part of such a, a journey, just do it, you know. It's uh, it's fascinating to do that, and but it's so risky, you know. It's super risky adventure, but uh, okay. But, but you you should be yourself at risk from that time. Maybe the first one about the risk because that's a part I think it's very not easy. I mean, it's easy to say that, but in reality, it's super super hard to to to, to jump into unknown and just to answer the situation and the risk, which is inherent nature in the entrepreneurship bar, but. How is the relationship yeah. with the risk? Like, I don't know, but yeah, sometimes you have to calculate like a safe margin. If something bad happened, I still have this or this, like backup plans. But for you, how do you think about the, the risk since it's something new? Okay. So first, if you are risk adverse, don't be an mm. entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, uh, if you think your project will last one year or two years, just double it. If you think your project will cost you one million, just double the amount, because everything you think is not gonna be true. And mm. uh, and you need to be prepared of that. It's really uh, a journey which is super difficult, emotionally speaking, you know, you really mm. go through all your emotion. I always say you're like in an elevator of emotion all day long, you're just a small, 
the good uh, news is make you super happy. Bad news make you really bad. Mm. And so it's a difficult journey. Um, when I talk about risk, um, I always say, um, you know, always when you talk about entrepreneurs, they need to be resilient. They need to be strong. But there is something probably people don't mention very often, which I always mention is you need to be in a certain way unconscious. If you are totally rational, you are, yes, yeah. you are not going to do it, to be <laughs> honest, because, you know, you just take the statistic. If you, 90% of startups fail, why should I start? Mm. Should I, I am a genius? No, you are not a genius. You are probably somebody fantastic, but you are not a genius. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a genius. So uh, I'm just super resilient and uh, I have other qualities, but I'm not a genius. So 90% of startups fail. Just knowing that, you should, should not start. So you need to believe in yourself. You need to believe in that you are capable to do a long journey with people and achieve it, knowing that probably you're going to fail. It's, and so you have a part of yourself which is totally unconscious. Wow. I like it. In French, called the insouciance. I don't know how you say it. Insouciance, I Ouais, en français, il y a un peu de translation. Let me find out. I find because okay. it's a typical French word. Yeah. Insouciance. Um, insouciance. I don't know. I don't know. Consciousness. Consciousness, is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Carefully. Carefully, okay. Careless. Okay. Careless. Yeah, yeah. A bit of careless, yes. Uh, otherwise, you don't move. I mean, I because and I saw those com, you know those people when when I was working in a big corporation, you know, the guy who complained, he say, oh, I'm going to do my own startup because uh, blah, it's never good, and they don't do it it's just because they are scared. You know, you should not be scared. I mean, I don't fear. I have no fear. I mean, to be honest, I have no fear. I put myself a lot in danger, financially speaking. Uh, you, and, and it's not easy, you know, it's not a, an easy life, but if you start to have some fear, don't, don't do it. Do something else. There is fantastic jobs in plenty of fields, but just don't be an entrepreneur if you fear. I absolutely agree with you. I think that's really wise words. Um, and it's a case. You're right. Uh, maybe I want to ask you deep down what do you feel, Philippe? I mean, do you fulfill it? Since it's, it's risky and uh, it's stimulating, but deep down, what is the feeling you have? compared to just being the safe net and uh, is this fulfillment what is actually the feeling when you venture in your new business oh, okay. here to, to one year ago two years ago I had an interesting conversation they, I was invited in a debate with a bank who wanted to uh, to discuss about entrepreneurship you know your entrepreneurship entrepreneurship which means that you build an entrepreneur inside a big corporation and they wanted to get a kind of feedback from myself, what is an entrepreneur, especially because I've been working with big company, with especially very challenging in L'Oreal, they push you to be proactive and so on and act every day, which is not the, always the case when you work in a bank, which is a very stable world. So they wanted to get my opinion. And I told them, you could do whatever you want. You'll never be entrepreneur. It's not the same as entrepreneur. Never. You know, because... 
you know, in this big corporation, they tell you, oh, you know, you're going to be the guy. I give you a business. Just do it as if you were your own entrepreneur. Just the guy knows he will be paid at the end of the day. Me, myself, I, I don't know if in one year, six months, I'm going to be paid. I'm going to fail. Um, and what will happen to me, you know? Um, uh, last year, when it ends, no more money, no more cash, no, no unemployment. Benefit, nothing, you know, you get naked. And the feeling of danger is very strong and not, has nothing to do with when you are in working at a big company because even if you take risk and you fail, you'll be paid, you're going to be paid. And if you are not being paid, you'll be on a, get the unemployment rate and, and, and a lot of things. So the notion of danger is not at all the same. But the opposite when you win, when you succeed, you have the feeling of, even if it's a collective, it's always a collective world. I will never say I succeed. I will always say we succeed or not. But you get into yourself the power of succeeding much stronger than in a big corporation. Back in the, my previous company, the, where I was the big one, when we were succeeding, it's not only we it's where 1,000 people succeeding. So, of course, when 1,000 people succeed, the feeling of success is to be diluted <laughs> among 1,000 of people, you know, because that's you are just a portion of it. When you win with your team in a startup or a small company, you just have the thing, you did it, you know, just do it and you did it. So, you feel much stronger. And the other also element is the element of freedom. So the freedom, it really depends your level of governance. If you're in startup, you have big investors, or if you have your own company, the level of freedom can change. But the capacity of doing what you want to do to get to the point with a lot of freedom is very positive. I deeply appreciate this point. You are disappointed and very honest about the, these things, so I deeply appreciate it. Um, maybe if you question lift, uh, can you tell me about the, the things that you think, maybe especially from the robotics market? I, I assume, of course, you're following the humanoid robot announcement by multiple companies and these things. Do you think it doesn't make sense that we have the things since you focus more in the... There is a problem I'm trying to solve, but it seems the, um, the current announcement based on just like this is trend or high... What will you know what I mean? Just how do you see the the market and the, when certain companies producing the same exact idea like humanoid robot Tesla figure? This announcement I don't know if you following up this announcement by having humanoid robot by every single company. Ah, the human the, the production of humanoid. Yes, humanoid robot. So, do you think it makes sense that we have this investment in thing that still we are not sure if it will solve the problem or not? Okay, that's funny because well, today we are working uh, with uh, as a partner with a, a, a startup, big one, that has uh, put in place a new type of robot called Enchanted Tools. I don't know if you're aware of that, but on the web, just type you, I mean, the auditors. And their uh, vision of numerous robots is more is to avoid the humanoid in order to move to the character. And they say, if you want to get in a relation with the robot, you will never get in a relation with the humanoid. It's going to be because it's too much a distraction 
a performance between who is is it real or not real, and it's going to better with a character. So what they do, they design have designed a real character, which is called Miroki, and that is capable of grabbing, socializing, and moving. It's a very fascinating robot. It just you know, this year uh, did their kind of coming out, you know, in the market, and uh, we are their partners. But it seems interesting the approach here. Uh, yeah, they have a very um, social uh, anthropologist approach of saying that if you want to get a connection with a robot, he has you need to have empathy. You have to have empathy. You need to be a character, somebody uh, coming rather from another world, having his own history. Uh, if you move to a kind of humanoid, it's difficult to difficult, you know, and. Um, That's why I was telling you, uh, people have a better relation with machine when a machine is a pure machine rather than a humanoid. And, um, and uh, human ink create confusion, I think, for, for, for my understanding. Yeah, final question for you. Uh, what are the things you aspire to do in your life? Since you love entrepreneurship and uh, it seems that's something you all want to do. But the thing is, it's still you want to achieve in your life. Like this is a goal or a dream. So um, now I totally in a way. Uh, so when I create Sananga and uh, so I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking about professional life. Huh? Although I have personal life, I want to be happy as everybody <laughs> and have time for myself. <laughs> I want to run the marathon very fast, and that's my personal life. But <laughs> and eat good food. But uh, for the rest, uh, for my professional life, I would say. Now I have the capacity of being my own. Uh, I have a partner, you know, coming from the Padzi Adventure. We are two, um, well, two partners for the Sananga team. And um, so the ability really to install the culture of the company uh, on my own, you know, it's very important to put this culture of innovation and really to design not only the robotic solution by the company organization as I want to do it. Um, and of course, I'm very worried about two things. I'm worried about the state of the planet and how we can challenge uh, what will happen to the uh, what's happening now with the planet. And uh, this very, I'm very worried. So what I'm hoping is again by doing started doing designing things to try to tackle the, pro the problem with the clients more and more often, and um, and also um, which I don't know which is the case in Belgium, but we have the case in France is the there is not enough women in the tech companies, robotic companies. It's very, very low. And I think um, the same. And, and we need to balance it much more. So I have really the, the, the goal to have a much balanced uh, organization between the genders, uh, which uh, always say, you know, I, I, I told to my kids, you know, uh, yeah, I had 50 years old uh, last year. And I told to my kids, you have two things to think if you want to have the a better future, things about the planet and, and, and fight uh, for women. That's the two most important things in your life um, if you want really to have a better world in the future. So, and the rest, you you will do it. You are a good father. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. Just getting these things. Um, I don't know if you have any final words, so let's see if people are listening. Any final words? Let's see. No, my wife was super happy to have this conversation. I hope. Uh, 
I hope people will enjoy. And if there are, if there is any possibility to answer questions when the podcast will be out, I would be very super happy. And uh, and again, if people want really to create, they want to join us. Um, you, you you can leave our contact details, and we're going to be super happy to work with uh, exciting people. Mm-hmm.